Hey, this is Heath Padgett, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 93. Today's podcast, Alyssa and I sit down to talk about how we paid off all of our student debt while traveling across the country the last few years in our motorhome, and we dig into literally everything. We talk about all of our finances from the past few years, including all of the debt, some of the individual payments that we've made towards that debt, and our income, starting from the very beginning of our first year on the road and scaling up to the present. I've never shared all of these details on the podcast, and to be honest, it was a little bit scary as Alyssa and I were sharing all of this because you were like, I don't do we don't do income reports or anything like that. We haven't done those in a while on the blog. So it just kind of feels weird sometimes talking about money. It can be awkward, but my hope is that this episode is insightful at the very least and helpful and uh, could be educational on how we went about paying off debt and building our business on the road for the past few years. And again, very raw, very transparent, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Let me know if you do. Shoot us a message on at Heath and Alyssa on Instagram or shoot us an email, heath at campgroundbooking.com. And uh, hope you guys enjoy this episode with Alyssa and I. Back in 2014, Alyssa and I had a choice to make. Whether we would sit around for the next couple of years and heavily pay down student debt, aka the responsible thing, or whether or not we should buy an RV to go and travel around the country for the foreseeable future. One decision seemed a little bit irrational at the time, and the other seemed like the typical route that we should go after college and after our first job, and obviously we chose the one that involved jumping in an RV we bought off Craigslist. So while money was a little tight during our first year on the road, we were ultimately able to keep financing our travels and eventually make enough to heavily start paying down student loan debt, and as of a couple weeks ago, actually finish paying off all of my student debt. So as it turns out, we didn't have to choose between being quote-unquote responsible or going to travel the country. We could and have done both. So on today's episode, I'm sitting here with my lovely wife. We're going to talk about our process of paying down student loan debt and how we've been able to do that while traveling full-time. What's up, babe? Hey. (laughs) Hey. How's it going? (laughs) I don't know if I know how to respond when you're like, what's up, babe? On the podcast? A little too casual, huh? It's kind of weird. It's like we it's not like we haven't been sitting here together all day, but you're just saying it for the benefit of the listener. Exactly. What's up, babe? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I hope you got a lot out of that, everyone. So, starting at the beginning of our journey, first of all, thank you for marrying me back in 2014 even though I had $27,000 of student loan debt and you had zero. I mean, you know now that my dad told me not to marry you until you'd paid off your student loan debt. I didn't know that. Seriously? Yeah. Well, I knew that he didn't marry your mom until she paid off her debt, which is kind of crazy in today's world. Well, now I think it's impossible to wait until someone pays off their debt to marry them. Yeah, it's like, congratulations, let's get married when we're 80. (laughs) All right, so I want to walk through our whole journey of paying off student loan debt, which started really, it kind of started in 2015, but we're going to go back to the very beginning, like right after we hit the road for Hourly America. So what were finances like? Just so um, we're going to talk about income. We're going to talk about paying down. It's kind of hard to talk about debt without talking about income and how we've grown that. Right. So talk about our finances during the first year of Hourly America back in 2014 and what that looked like. Well, there wasn't much to look at. We were not making a lot of money. I pulled up our income and expense reports from the year. 
because I keep pretty meticulous records, I would say, of all of our finances, especially since we've gotten married and just looking at how much we made and how much we spent and how every single month what we spent was way more than what we were making, which is pretty much personal finance number one (laughs) no-no. But we did it anyway. <laughs> this is during year one on the road, right? That you're yeah, talking- this is our first year of marriage. Back in 2014, we were traveling to all 50 states for Hourly America, which if you listen to the podcast, I'm sure you've heard Heath talk about all 10. And our focus really was the travel and the honeymoon and the documentary and figuring out what we wanted our marriage and our lives together to look like. So when it came to finances, making money was pretty much second pursuing our dreams wouldn't you say that no i i would agree so our there was a lot of motives or several pushing factors for hourly america Mm -hmm. and one of the big ones that we wanted to pursue more creative crafts and one of the biggest was writing and we both enjoyed writing and we've been doing it for a long time even before that and we felt like this was a cool time to go all in to this Mm -hmm. whole blogging thing and pursuing storytelling and whether that took the form of video or writing we were kind of open but yeah, I think it was a period of our life where like, okay, well, if we're going to be a little bit irrational with money and being upside down, quote, mm-hmm. you know, like from a monthly budget standpoint, then right. we can do it for a little we were bit. We're okay with it. We're okay with it. And I would just like to clarify Heath's mindset toward money because there's reason that he had me on the podcast because Heath is not good at managing money. And you admit that you're terrible at managing money. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't probably be, I wouldn't be out of debt right now for sure. Alyssa... And this is a whole different side conversation on how we were raised. You know, Alyssa's parents run their own business. And so there was a very much a financial literacy for you while growing up. And for me while growing up, anytime I made 20 bucks or 50 bucks or I got that money, it was it was literally gone (laughs) before I could even count it. I mean, I could obviously count on this on the spot, but it was gone very quickly. Well, I think my favorite story about you and your financial habits is that you ran off to California. I think this is at the same time. You ran off to California, decided he was going to quit college and move to L.A. Like every person in their 20s thinks at one point, probably. And so he gets out to L.A. and his mom's really upset with him. And he's on the phone with his mom. And she's like, this isn't a good decision. You need to come back. You need to finish school so you can get a good job because you're going to have student debt, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, mom, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be a millionaire anyway. I don't need to go to college. I don't need to go to school. <laughs> and then you, like, applied for a job at Skechers, and they didn't hire you, and you, like, came back to Texas with your tail between your legs. And I love that story because I think that that's still very true for you when it comes to managing our finances, that you're just like, well, I'm going to be a millionaire someday anyway. Okay, I will say <laughs> that is all accurate. That all actually... That all but actually, you were 21. That all actually happened, and um, I'm still a little embarrassed. <laughs> By uh, and part of the reason that maybe I don't bring you on the podcast is because you just re- you real you reveal all this stuff and you I know, have all the best embarrassing yeah. stories for you. W- whatever it happened, it was a good learning experience. I did go back to school and I didn't really work that hard for that job at Sketcher, so I'm not going to go down that <laughs> rabbit hole. But I think if I would have really pushed, they would have hired me. But anyway, I met you and we got married, so it worked out. So before Hourly America, I was making. I don't know how much I was making in that job. Probably about forty thousand a year, entry level salary. Not even that much. It no, was like 30, no. 30 something. It was like yeah. twenty five hundred a it month. It was like thirty four for the year. Not that you were there for a full year, right? And but how it much was you... also you were a contractor, so you didn't. Have, I don't think you really had any benefits, and you. 
a were little... then going to have to pay taxes on it all. Yeah. So I was making kind of entry level salary. You were about the same at the nonprofit yeah. that you were working at. So that was kind of so people have context for what we were making before. And Basically nothing. Not a much. And then we had a little bit of savings before we hit the road. How much after buying Franklin did we have in savings? That's a really good question. Roughly 15, 20. I'm going to say that I probably had about 18,000. Yeah. In savings. And so this was the amount of money. And we're really opening everything up during this episode. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't expecting that question. Well, I, I think, again, it's just helpful to talk real numbers. After Hourly mm-hmm. America, we were sitting down with some friends and we were just kind of shooting the breeze, talking about our trip. And he was trying to poke around and ask questions about finances. And but, I just, but not explicitly. But not explicitly, it. and I just laid it out there. I was like, "Well, this is about how much," and not in like a braggart or what. And it wasn't a bragging kind of way because we weren't making a ton of money. <laughs> no, we were but not. it was just trying to be honest. And he was like, "I'm really relieved because it's so many people struggled to just share the reality of the situation. And sometimes the reality is good, and sometimes it's not good. But at least it's insightful." Well, and there's something so taboo about talking about money that I totally don't understand. Which, other than I know we had the conversation like. Other than the IRS, like, listening in and then auditing you based on what you said on a podcast, which I feel like is highly, highly unlikely, and, and then there's no, I mean, there's nothing wrong with talking about, like, your finances. And even then, it's, we, we, we have- pay our taxes. <laughs> yeah. so to, even, to anyone who works for the government listening, we pay our taxes. Yeah. I, fe- I feel And you're that still saying that in the April. voice like we don't, but we do. No, we, no okay. we do. Okay. All right. Moving on. <laughs> All right, moving on. So finances during our first year on the road were stressed, and that was kind of a big point of concern for us. Like, how did you feel about our finances during that first year? For me, that was the first time that I wasn't consistently making money every single month since probably high school, since I got my first job in high school, because I worked pretty much every single year in college. And when we did Hourly America, I was making absolutely zero money. Technically, I guess we were making money, but that's what that weird, awkward time when all of a sudden you're the single person for the first, I guess, only 23 years of your life for me. And then all of a sudden everything is combined. So for me, it felt like you were making the money because it was all from snag a job and it was Hourly America was your idea. You were working the jobs. So that was that was especially weird for me, feeling like I wasn't contributing, wasn't making any money. That on top of the fact that we were traveling in our first month, gosh, we spent like $4,000 going from Texas to California, which... Gas was like four bucks a gallon. Oh, yeah. Most of that four grand that we spent in a month was gas. But just kind of looking at that first month and realizing, holy crap, this is way more expensive than we thought it was going Mm. to be, which we learned pretty quickly because of that first month and we ended up cutting our expenses in half moving forward Mm. but that definitely was like a really big inciting incident for me to be like okay if we're going to a just make it to all 50 states and b like not end up totally broke and screwed by the time we're done traveling so that we're you know our backs are up against the wall and we have no money and we're living in a van down by the river because we have no other options that I had to really take our personal finance really seriously and figuring all these these things out because I know we've talked about it before you don't really learn personal finance in school unless you have a mentor or a parent or someone that's willing to say like hey here's how to spend your money and what you should spend it on and here's how to keep track of it and everything that you should do and so I created our 
spreadsheet, which I've used now for, I guess, four years. In this in the spreadsheet, and we're going to get into a little bit of some of the things that we do on a weekly and monthly basis. Mm-hmm. And when I say we, I mean that Alyssa has implemented for us. <laughs> uh, I actually, I've shared this Google Doc with you that has all of our budget stuff in it, but I... Heath doesn't have editing privileges because he tends to then mess things up if I if I give him the editing privileges. I, ch- I can just view the docs, but I will I will just say having insight into our finances has been one of the most helpful parts of it. Just seeing mm-hmm. the reality of it each month because I feel like it's one of those things where I I didn't even know what I was spending before we got married. So that's not to get into too many right. different side tangents. So we go through our first year of marriage and just so we're consistently, you know, just sharing the numbers in this episode. Mm-hmm. What were our costs during that first year? Because I actually don't think I've ever shared that on the podcast. We've talked about that on our blog. But what were our costs to travel to all 50 states during the first year of marriage? Do you remember? The lower 48 was 18000 And then once you factored in Hawaii and Alaska, which we did in 2015. So like the tax year is different. So yeah. for me, it's like how much we spent in a year is it's confusing. But for 2014 travel, we spent 18000 Then Hawaii and Alaska was like 4500 So it was all together is twenty three grand basically for all 50 and states. And income during that first year? Income. Hold on. Let me switch tabs. Drum roll, please. I did fill Anticlimactic <laughs> drum roll, please. Anticlimactic drum roll because it is not a super exciting number. We made $15,521.44. So that is not a lot of money. No, and like, gosh, at least a thousand, probably more like two thousand of that was just we asked for people to give us donations instead of wedding gifts. So we didn't even really earn that money. So like, yeah, like a half of our first month of gas budget, pretty much. Yeah. Oh, we blew through it instantly, basically. So we we wrap up our first year of travels, and we really love this lifestyle of RVing and being on the road and having this adventure. I don't want to speak for both of us, but I think we kind of felt like this whole creative period where we can afford to be upside down in our budget was kind of over. And we wanted to kind of shift and make 2015 the year of RV versus student loan debt. So like what happened next? So what you decided that you wanted to work full time with someone that you had already been consulting with, Jaw, and that was paying, what, 2500 a month Ish, or something yeah. like that. And you were working full time, but as a consultant and that was basically the only door we had open to us after Hourly America as far as income opportunities. And so this was like a six-month project. And our goal during that time was basically try to live as cheaply as possible. Live as cheaply as possible. Now, the savings that we had at the beginning of the Hourly America, I really, I'm, I actually don't think I have it recorded anywhere. It's probably in our bank statements. Pretty sure we had about 18000 in the bank spent about three I know we spent three of it at least on hourly America during those travels so we had 15 grand in the bank and that's when we had a lot of really tough conversations about do we want to just put all of this in student debt right now and how much do we need to keep as a cushion and all that sort of stuff and I think we ended up putting in 10,000 right there at the beginning of 2015 I don't think we put in that much. I think we did. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. It was it was a really scary amount. Yeah. I would have to go back and look. It was kind of, it was just, it was a big mental shift between not having a large cushion Mm -hmm. and to start really aggressively wanting to to pay down this debt and continue building our income. Because we did make a conscious decision when we started 
traveling for Hourly America, we are not going to touch our savings. We said that very explicitly multiple times. And there was only one time when we, it was September, and it was right before you started working with Jaw. That was our first consulting or client gig on the road. And I think I put like a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars from our savings into our checking account for the first time because we had legitimately hit zero in our checking. So that that was our financial situation going into twenty fifteen. Is that we were we were trying not to spend our savings so that we had the cushion just in case, you know, whatever happened happened. And we basically put all of it into student debt in that first quarter of the year, then spent as as little money as possible, which we were living in California at the time. So that was pretty much impossible. I will say that that definitely was one of the most challenging parts of our marriage together was trying to get our business and everything going while also trying to pay down debt at the same time and live super cheap. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're there, you need so much time and mental energy to start a new business and to add the stress on top of it that you're totally broke and you owe tens of thousands of dollars to creditors. Are they called creditors when it's student loans? I don't know. Sally Mae, whoever. Yeah, those people, the Department of Education. It's, there's, it's just so stressful, and you feel like you have to hustle and work all the time. Because I know for you, that was 2015 was a really stressful year because you really wanted to work on your own stuff, but you knew that we needed to take on all of these clients to make our financial situation better. And I think by the end of 2015, we'd paid off $14,000 of our student debt. So about half of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically we were able to, I, and I left working with jaw halfway through that year and we started doing all client work, adding multiple clients. You so actually we're working with him up until end of September. Oh, end of three, September. Three quarters. Yeah. Three quarters. Okay. And our income that year had boosted to what was it? Okay. So our income for the year we made in 2015, 45,000. So our income that year was basically enough to live on and still start pushing at least several thousand dollars back towards student debt. Well, I don't think we really could have put that much towards student debt if we hadn't had that savings, though. Yeah, I agree. Because I think we really relied a lot on that. Because if you look at it, like we have put 10000 from savings into paying for it and we only put 14000 in for the year, then yeah, we only spent what, 500 a month? Because we only made student loan payments up until October when we bought our Winnebago. Yeah, so talk, let's talk about that because that was one thing that we went we went back and forth on several times was, all right, we had been in our 1994 Coachman RV for a year and a half, mm-hmm. and it was a great RV, but it was getting a little bit run down, and we had no payments on it because we paid cash. And so... Uh, this opportunity came along with Winnebago and we're basically trying to figure out, should we take this opportunity and upgrade to a bigger RV? Because the thought was maybe it'll lead to cooler opportunities to work with this company and have some influence in the RV industry and try to be able to make a difference in the space that we're passionate about and also have a dependable RV to go back and hit the road because we had some issues with our other one. But we also wanted to pay off student debt. So there was a lot of tension happening during that period of our marriage. Can you talk about that? I was pretty against getting a new RV, and we think we definitely had a couple fights. That was actually a time in our marriage where here's what Heath would do. He would say something repeatedly, like, 
I want to stop working with Jaw and pursue this other client project, or I want to sell our RV and get a new one. And you would say it repeatedly, say it repeatedly, and we'd have a conversation about it, and we would basically decide to do the opposite of what he wanted to do. And he'd be set with that decision for like a week, and then he'd bring it up again. And so he wore me down this way until I eventually conceded. I was like, fine, let's get a Winnebago. Because I was really adamantly against it. Like, Heath, we had committed. We told people, we were very public about, hey, we're going to pay down all of our student debt in one year. We're going to do whatever it takes to make it happen. I didn't want to break that promise, not just because, like, from a public standpoint, but from the idea of, like, I wanted us so badly to not be underneath this student debt anymore. And that's why we told so many people that we were hustling toward it because we we loved people keeping us accountable. So I really, really didn't want us to pursue this deal with Winnebago. And I honestly don't even know what changed my mind. Maybe it was just touring the brave. The brave, maybe touring the brave. Discount. We got a family friend's discount to buy the RV, which, which was like 15%. I was just to say thanks to Nikki and Jason when, for hooking us up for with intro. Winnebago. Yeah, and then we got a couple grand for filming the Go Ar- Going RV TV show, so there's like another oh, yeah. couple grand off the cost of the rig. Not much, but a little bit. And then the opportunity for future work with Winnebago. So it was kind of all those contributing factors. And I think that's kind of the, the biggest thing you kind of just ran by there, the opportunity for future work with Winnebago. Because you were thinking... I think short-term where you always think long-term because I'm over here thinking like, oh, if we get this new RV now, then we can't pay off our student debt in this last quarter of 2015. And you're over here thinking, okay, if I start building this partnership with Winnebago now in two years, which has been two years now since we started working with them, then we could have this really amazing partnership because we can, you know, be producing content for them and building it up. And you were right. I mean, if we had gone my way, things would be very different right now. You were definitely right. It was a huge risk for us. And I would say that if you listen to one of the most recent episodes with me and Kyle, we really dig into this whole behind the scenes of this Winnebago launch and this big project that we just did for the company. And I'll say that it's been worth it. In some ways, buying a new RV was very, very scary because we brought in expenses where there wasn't expenses. Yes, we started having a a lovely RV payment, which is... $619.56 every month. Yep. And so we had a lot more expenses uh, during 2016. Namely Uh, the RV payment. uh, The RV payment. We hired an editor for our documentary. We spent several months not pursuing client work because we were finishing our film. And so I think that was definitely a big part of that. Well, we had one client during that time. But the point is, we had more expenses. We weren't able to contribute as much towards student debt. But we were still able to grow our income uh, during 2016, I think, to like, what was it, 65? So yes. So let's just recap real quick. 2014, we made $15,000. 2015, we made $45,000. 2016, we made $65,000. And again, obviously not sharing any of this for bragging because it's just being very realistic. And- well, I mean, I feel like you can't really brag when you say like, <laughs> well, we quit our jobs and we were making combined sixty five grand, And then two and a half years later, we got it back up to that number. Yay. Yeah. Well, I think to a certain point, you can say that because I, I think if there's anything that I see as like a cool theme and takeaway for me personally mm-hmm. is that one, we were able to take a short period of time uh, that you could say is like our own master's degree of sorts and go out and experience an amazing country and build careers that we really enjoy. And was there a finan- financial hit in the short term? Yes. 
did we eventually get to the point that we're getting to in this conversation where we're able to finish paying off our debt this year? Yes. Have our income continued to grow the past two years, like 40% each year? Yes. You know what I mean? So there's all these different things that we're able to, like a few years ago, we were doing jobs that we didn't love and we didn't have the freedom and flexibility. So yeah, our income is still getting to the place where we want it to be, but we've been able to do some amazing things in the interim. Like we've been to all 50 states. We've been to so many national parks. We've RV'd Canada and the US and we've done really cool projects that we love. And so I think that whatever trade-off there has been in the short term will be worth it again, long-term thinking here. <laughs> I thought that was a good little inspirational talk you just gave me, babe. Thank you. All right, so if you could name three things that would be most influential in us paying down our debt, what would they be? I start with the biggest thing and then name two other little ones. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds like <laughs> the, a great way to do it. The biggest thing for me was just the mindset switch of how you think about money. So I always kind of thought about money like spend as little of it as possible. Spend as little of it as possible and save the rest. That was always how I looked at money growing up. I was very protective of my money. I would only spend it if, like, I really, really wanted something. That was always my mindset. Um, I was a penny pincher. My mom calls me frugal. That's the nice way of saying it, I think. And the biggest thing I learned was to stop looking at money as something to save. Well, I guess, I mean, saving is a good thing. But to stop looking at it that way and to start thinking of money as how much can I make? How can I continue to make more money? Because if you only are thinking about how much you can save, it's so limiting. It's defensive instead of offensive. Yes. And so once I I started thinking like, okay, how can I make more money? One, it opens up so many doors. Because then I started doing different blogging and consulting and video editing and all these different things because I was looking at different avenues to make money and I learned so much and I've grown, I don't know, grown my resume or portfolio or whatever you want to say. I've just experienced so much more because I started looking at money as this thing that I could go out and make rather than, okay, I've got debt. I need to be saving everything and never drink at Starbucks and only buy off-brand toilet paper or whatever. So I definitely think that was the most influential thing for me that maybe it didn't, you know, directly make a difference in us paying off our student debt faster. But it was huge for me mentally going forward instead of thinking, like, I can't go out and do things and enjoy things because I have to put all my money towards debt. But instead thinking I can spend my time always pushing to make more money and so, to create more opportunity for myself. So what specific things have changed because of that thinking? Like, what have, what have you done differently or what have we done differently? Well, if you look, we now have 25 different lines in our income of different ways that we're bringing in money. That's 25 different either affiliates or actually I don't even have like clients separated out. I just have one line that's just like client work, freelance client work. And so like just looking at it that way, three years ago, the only thing I was doing was freelance blogging because I knew I wanted to be a writer. I was just going to write and not have a Starbucks latte and have my <laughs> you know, 10 cents a cup community coffee or off-brand coffee or whatever yeah. at home instead. 
So the takeaway here is that you don't have to penny pinch, but find, just look for more opportunities. And I think I would agree it's easier. I think it's easier that way than saying, well, for the next five years, we're just going to kill ourselves and try to save every little thing. So your other two things. So my other two things, that really was the biggest one though. Just start focusing on making more money. The number one thing you're going to do to pay off debt is make more money. Don't just try to save everything. That's like the biggest takeaway. Two other things that we did, I guess we paid it off this year. So I should focus on things that we did this year. Not paying for lodging was huge. And to cut costs. And we did that by doing a lot of campground videos and cutting our costs there. Doing campground videos and blogs for different campgrounds. That way we didn't have to pay for lodging and we got paid, which I will rant about work camping all day long. So I'm not going to do that right now. But if you do want to find a work camping gig to subsidize your lodging costs, make sure that you are also getting paid. We will not accept a work camping gig if all we get is a free stay. We will also. I will, I will counter that and say it depends on the context every time because people could, it could be well, different yeah. context. It could be a super expensive campground and you may be doing a little work or your situation may be financially different and you just need a, a down month. So I, d- I don't think you can blanket stay like one thing or the other. No, I'm pretty passionate about okay, this. Okay, that's fine for you, one thing, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> if you're work camping, I do think that you should also be paid and not just get a freeze day. That's my that's my micro rant on work camping okay. as an income opportunity. So what did you need? You need one more thing for me that was influential in paying yeah. off debt? I think just being budget conscious. I look at our financial everything, all of our credit cards, all of our bank accounts every single week. I have a reminder go off on my phone. Every Thursday at three o'clock, I think, that says update finances. And I go through every single line and Heath knows when I'm doing it because I ask him, like, what did you buy for seven eighty two last Thursday at this store? What was for you the most discouraging part of paying down debt? That's tough. Discouraging? Like, were there any parts where you're like, I feel like we're never going to pay this off? Oh, yeah, all the time. Back in 2015, especially. And probably at the beginning of, of this year, of 2017, because we ignored it in all of 2016. And so then 2017 comes around, and I'm just looking at it and thinking, like, this is still a huge number. What is it that bothers you about student debt so much? Because it haunts you more than it haunts me. Like, obviously, I wanted to pay down this debt. Well, I think some people are just more financially conscious than others. So what bo- Like, what does it viscerally do to you? Like, Just, like, you feel that tightness in your chest, and, like, it's always in the back of your mind knowing, hey, I owe $15,000 to this invisible entity, technically, that I, I mean, they were your student loans, so I didn't, like, I didn't get anything out of them. That money is just gone. Mm. And I think that's the thing that makes student loans so different from, like, a credit card debt or other types of debt, which we've never really experienced, so I can't super speak to that. But just knowing that you have this student debt that you got from college, and for people like you and me that aren't actually really using our degrees, it's just like money wasted. Or at least that's how it feels. Especially when it, it, I mean, you can speak more to this because they were your loans, not mine. So it just feels like I'm putting all this money to this cause, paying off our student debt, and I'm getting absolutely nothing out of it. And that was really hard for me mentally just knowing like i'm literally throwing it away which is why i kept track of how much interest we were accruing each day because at the height 
It was well, like six bucks a day. Oh, at least six dollars a day of just interest accruing. And when I just looked at that, it's just every single day. We're throwing away six dollars. Yeah. I'm like, that's a pound of ground beef and a bag of cheese. <laughs> How many cheeseburgers are we throwing away every single day? Like four or five. That's, oh my gosh, that's so depressing when you say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So two weeks ago. We've been hustling this year, bringing on more clients, boosting our income on these. The, I didn't realize we had 25 different income streams uh, yeah. this year on track to do somewhere between 80 and 100,000 this year, which is good. It's another 40% growth this year in our business. And so I do think that's something to be proud of, you know, just like getting mm-hmm. to that point. Uh, and so we've worked really hard. And we just... have made more this year than we made last year. Already. That's yeah. cool. And so two weeks ago, we were sitting around and we basically said, hey, look, we've got enough to go ahead and kill off this debt. I was actually, you know, my my Thursdays at three, I was updating our budget and I noticed. (laughs) And you're like, let's just do this and and knock it off. So how do you feel now that we've we've paid it off? It was shockingly stressful paying it off, even though like I knew we had... We had just gotten paid from a couple, like a few different client gigs, like all the checks came in at once. And I just was sitting there looking at it thinking we could pay off all of our student debt and still be good for the rest of the month. Like we weren't going to be totally broke. And it was this very weird moment because I'd spent, what, almost three years so focused on this goal. And all of a sudden it was right there. And like I could click a couple buttons and pay it off. And I can't even explain the emotions. It was this weird point of contention. Like I shouldn't pay it all off. Like I needed that security blanket of having that money. It's like for the amount that we were about to dump into that, go buy a nice car kind of thing, or maybe not nice car, but a used one for sure. Yeah. Could buy our old motorhome back if we wanted to. Yeah, we actually, yeah, we probably (laughs) could have. And it was, it was just so, so weird throwing that last check. What was, it was like $9,000 that we paid off at once at the very end. Mm-hmm. And we were going back and forth, like, should we even pay this all off at once? Like, what if something happens and we need this money? We need it to be in our savings account. And then we realized that we were really just waffling because I think we were just scared to pay it off. Mm-hmm. So as of today, no credit card debt, no student loan debt. And we've knocked both of those off and it feels great. And if you were talking to somebody who was kind of looking at the same uphill grind, mm-hmm. it's so hard. I think financial advice is freaking hard and I'm the worst person to give it, but you're much better qualified. <laughs> no one should listen to Heath for I mean, financial advice. I mean, I will listen to you on how to manage my money. That's why I've asked you to, to talk <laughs> about this. So what advice would you give to somebody who is is hustling and working to go up that that grind of paying off student debt or any kind of debt. I do think that's really hard because advice for each situation is going to be totally different. So if you could look at us a couple years ago mm-hmm. and, and just speak to our scenario. Oh, like, I would like grab myself by the shoulders and be like, why are you not doing more to make money? Mm. Like, why are you not focusing more? Because... Actually, a year ago, I meant to tell you this, a year ago yesterday was the anniversary of us combining Heath and Alyssa.com. Mm, cool. And if we had done that in 2015, so I guess like two and a half years ago after Hourly America, or if we'd even done it before Hourly America, and if at that moment we had decided we are going to make our blog a business, we are going to take this seriously, and we're going to do this all together, we would be 
light years ahead of where we are now. Just seeing how much we've grown in a year as far as building up our affiliate income, making consistent passive income from month to month without having to do a bunch of Mm. sales and pushes and looking at just the little things like how much content we've produced and how much traffic has grown over this time. If we could have gone back and, and done that, we I think we would have paid off our debt so much sooner. I think that that's probably, I mean, that is really the nutshell in and of itself. It's like, if you want to lose weight, work out more. Like, if you want to lose Burn weight- Burn more calories than you consume, is that what you're yeah. trying to say? Yeah, make more money than you spend. Yeah, and it's, so it's, it's the easiest, most straightforward advice that you can possibly give. But I mean, there's not really any other way around that. We've said yes to so many opportunities mm-hmm. that we we may have said yes to, but really the inciting factor was- Let's just keep hustling until we can pay this off because it's going to yeah. feel really good. And even at times, very counterintuitive to our travels because we want to explore. Like we host, I, you know, host a podcast on getting out and going to travel the country in an RV and enjoy your time on the road. And there's a lot of times where we had to say yes to working more so we could pay off debt. But that was in line with our values and how we wanted mm-hmm. to live. And I mean... You're supposed to pay off your student loans after what ten years. That's the minimum, they, the minimum payment. Yeah, yeah, that is how they timeline it out, and we did it over three. So like, it was very much one of our values that we wanted to hustle, and we, like you said, we did say yes to almost every single opportunity that came in. Like whenever, like whenever we worked on promoting a breastfeeding course. <laughs> we did that last year. We did that last year, which. I learned so much and it was super interesting for me. And now I never want to have kids because I've seen too much about breastfeeding. But uh, he totally hated it, by the way. Really passed that project off to me. He no, I not... didn't. I you enjoy... didn't like looking at all these random girls' boobs. Well, I didn't like the poop okay diapers with. either. Yeah, the poop diapers, I feel like, really bothered yeah. you more. Um, Cindy and Jana were great. No, yeah, the people were great. But we did take on a lot of projects that we weren't, weren't like super in our niche of RVing and travel and entrepreneurship, which I know bugged you more than it bugged me. I was just excited because we were, you know, making money and paying off debt. But you were like, well, imagine if all of our clients were in the RV industry and they were all Winnebago and WeBoost and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, I guess I wasn't as into this whole super niche thing that you are, which once we did focus on being in one niche, we feel like we were way more successful than when we were just saying yes to everything but for paying off debt saying yes to everything really worked it's kind of this catch-22 like if you're giving paying off debt advice here's the advice say yes to every opportunity make a bunch of money so that you can you know put more towards your debt every month if you're giving entrepreneurship advice it's like niche down focus in one area become an expert (laughs) and then you can you know go so I think it helps that we have both of us and we kind of have these opposing mindsets because you are still like I said you always play the long game and I tend to play the short game thinking okay we can make this money right now like right now we're trying to figure out if we're gonna be RVing abroad next year no not if when we are (laughs) RVing abroad next year we need to figure out how much we want to have in savings and I think we said we wanted to have like 20,000 be like our safety net we needed to have that in the bank if we were gonna go travel abroad we should probably research stuff like currency and exchange rates and stuff, actually, now that I think about we'll it. do that Side later. note. But having that number. Runway, yeah. 
that's been a big thing for our conversations today. We were talking a lot about, well, which opportunities do we want to say yes to and which things do we want to do to help us get to that number? So I do think that even once you do pay off your your debt, your student debt, your credit card debt, whatever it is, that it's it's so helpful for finding just a direction in business and in life to always be thinking of, you know, what am I what am I doing that can set me up for the future, whatever it is the next thing is. So for us, like, that's traveling abroad. Maybe, like, soon it'll be saving for kids and graduation and, you know, college, all that stuff. We'll be paying student loans all over and, again. And it's you, so exciting. <laughs> and, I mean, we started contributing to our Roth IRA now that we finished paying off debt. And, you know, yes. we're going to max that out every year and, you know, start doing r- other responsible things. And it feels – and you, like you said earlier, you looked at mm-hmm. me – because uh, you contributed, you know, to our Roth IRA today, and you're like, this feels really, really good to be it able to. It feels so responsible <laughs> and adult. I mean, for Heath and I being 26, I feel like we're people are gonna hate me. I feel like we're old. Like we should be like responsible, mature adults now because we're 26. And I know we were talking to Kyle last week in Indiana, and he was like, I didn't stop being a stupid kid until I was 26. And I felt pressure because I'm like, oh, crap, I'm 26. I can't be a stupid kid anymore. So, you know, I've got my Roth IRA set up. I'm trying to contribute. I think about things like retirement. And my brother-in-law's a stockbroker, and I, like, keep thinking in the back of my mind, like, I really need to call him and figure <laughs> out figure out what stocks are and, you know, how to, how to you know, figure out all the rest of this personal finance stuff because I have been so in this bubble of just paying off debt for so long. No, I like it. If You look like you're bored just listening to no. me talk about it. Closing up, if you could impart one piece of inspiration to somebody who is still in the midst of paying off debt, one piece of inspiration or just advice or encouragement, what would that be? You've really put me on the spot a lot with like, all right, give me your three most influential and your number one piece of advice. I feel a lot of pressure to come up with something super profound. So one piece of advice for someone that they're paying off their student mm-hmm. debt, how to make it happen. Yeah. I would say contribute consistently because even if you contribute $200 one month and $20 the next month, and this might just be me, this might not be true for every person, but it would so nag at me if I didn't contribute every single month. And it didn't matter if in January, we contributed $5,000. And then I in March, I contributed $2,000. The fact that I missed February and the fact that I missed a month mm. would just really wear at me. And I would feel like I was failing and I wasn't pushing toward it. So even if you just contribute $10 or $20, just always have that so you can look at it and be like, okay, even though I'm not to my goal, I can look and I can see I'm moving toward it consistently and I'm not giving up because that will, at least for me and for people that are maybe like super type A and love charts and numbers like me, that will show future you that you are consistently working toward it. You're committed. You're going to make it happen because you've consistently made it happen every single month or every single week or however often it is that you're, you're working toward your goal and you'll get there. For us, that meant taking a whole stinking year off in the middle of paying off our student debt, which was stupid and it killed our momentum and it was so, so stressful for me in the back of my mind for so much of 2016. Like, what am I doing? I'm not working toward this goal. And it was so important to me last year. Mm -hmm. So just 
push toward it consistently. I think you'll you'll do way better than we did. <laughs> and know that it feels really good on the other side. And uh, the only thing I would layer on top of that that I think has been really helpful for us is to continue investing in profitable skills. You know, mm. depending on how and when your business grows, uh, for us, investing in video and being able to charge more and more for consulting and, and things to that extent have been, you know, obviously the biggest contributors. Uh, and those are not things we started off with, but things that we were able to, you know, grow and implement over time. So thank you for coming on and sharing all of your financial wisdom with us. Thanks. I'm glad I could put my spreadsheets to use and that they were hopefully informative for people. You do actually have one of these spreadsheets in your, your free email course for people to access. I do, yeah. How to travel in 2K a month, I'll link up in the show notes. Yes, perfect. Thanks. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate you all listening and uh, always love hearing from you all in iTunes, whether that's a review or just knowing that you subscribe to the podcast is fantastic and I love it. Or shooting us an email. Uh, we love hearing from you guys. So it's really the best part of recording the podcast is not being just a one-way conversation, but actually hearing from you guys and what's happening in your life. And also it's, it's great to hear subjects that you want us to talk about on the podcast or people that you'd like us to interview because they have a cool story. Thank you guys for listening and safe travels wherever you are. And I'll see y'all next week on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast.